Hello and welcome to Romance Isn't Dead, episode 24, wherein we discuss the original Mr. Darcy. That's right, we're talking Pride and Prejudice today. Ray, this was your pick. How are you doing? Um, I'm still rereading it, but I know it well enough that I can quite confidently just smell the pages instead of read the words. Um, mm-hmm. I picked up my copy, well, one of my copies because I have quite a few, and discovered a bookmark in there, which is a bus ticket I'm showing you, um, that lit, that No Telling a Lie is dated the 9th of July, 1997. <laughs> and this book, this copy of the book is actually my original GCSE copy from 1990. Okay. So that's how you're doing, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm feeling quite relaxed. I had my personal best on swimming yesterday, so I feel really good. Um, I could actually do with going for a swim today, but I can't get there. And I'm writing at work again, so that's a big fat yay. Yay, outstanding. I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad for you. <laughs> and how's your week going? You're looking so tan. Well, it was it was our long holiday weekend last weekend. And of course, I spent the weekend up at the lake on the boat because I am I have a lot of privilege. I should never ever ever complain. And um, then we had a hurricane, so that was fun. But what happened when you were up at the lake? I know that something happened up at the lake. Um. Nothing we really need to talk about, I don't think. Oh, that. We really don't need to talk about that, do we? I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, let me let me let my redneck southern come out. See, what had happened was, we're not real sure. <laughs> but our best <laughs> guess is that when we were on the pontoon boat, I had my phone sitting beside me on the bench seat and we were coming around a dock and someone had put something in the water and you know you can't stop a boat on a dime and it looked like a metal spike coming out of the water which of course could total a boat and if it got caught up in the motor the total motor too and so we're like whoa so we jumped like I jumped up and then my, my mom was like wait reverse and so we reversed the boat and turns out it was a bit of bamboo but it looked like a metal pole I know it's hilarious right <laughs> but, that's so funny sorry but oh. Okay, and to be fair, if that metal, if that bamboo got caught up in the motor, it actually could have done some damage to the motor. Like, he had his aluminum prop. I mean, it, it, bamboo's kind of tough stuff, and it, he didn't need to go pu- puttering over it, bottom line. He didn't need to go puttering over it. And apparently this guy had put this bamboo, another shoot of bamboo, in the water in front of his dock, far enough away that boats would be coming right by it and potentially over it because he wanted a fish habitat. And I get it. You want a fish habitat, but dude, you're in the waterway, like in the water. I mean, we weren't like jutting up against his dock, but anyway, so we get back, I tie the boat off, I grab my towel and that was on the seat beside me and I go up to the house and I was like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And I looked in my bag, I emptied my bag out. I did all the things and I was like, I don't remember my phone. And so I pulled out my iPad, did find my iPhone. It can't find it at all. 
And my husband goes across the camper, gets my watch, try to ping my phone. My phone's not in range. It's like, okay, so I went down to the dock, I tried to ping my phone with the iPad, with, with my watch. Nothing. And I was like, and it wasn't like, it was just flat out, I couldn't find it. And it should have been able to find the phone because the phone had a signal. So we think, all that to say, we think the phone went in the lake when I jumped up to try and, you know, <laughs> force stop the boat. <laughs> You're trying to be Jean Grey. And, yeah, we think. And because my husband got in the water at the dock and he, like, walked, a, like, felt around trying to find it. Because if it had come off the boat when I pulled my towel up, it would have just plunked. But nobody heard it. Nobody saw it. And the boat was stopped and everybody was paying attention then. So people, I think, would have noticed if it had gone off the boat then. As opposed to the excitement of the metal, not metal, in the water. So five days later my new phone arrived. It was supposed to be overnighted to me. Five days later, I got it. Yeah, but to be to be fair, you did have Dorian to contend with. My Amazon cases for my new phone got to me faster. They got there well, that, within two days, and they weren't... So Amazon apparently is better than AT&T. Yeah, I said that on a podcast. Yeah, well... We don't have AT&T, so I can't comment. And I quite often use Amazon as an emergency. Oh, dear God, my cat has no food. Um, <laughs> or, oh, I quite like that swimming costume. Or, oh, I just really want a new book. <laughs> All the above is completely legitimate. and But Amazon was able to get the phone case to me in two-day shipping no problem with Dorian to contend with, but AT&T couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh, well, That's at least you've got it now. I do. And my case is lovely. <laughs> my case is lovely. So anyway. That's good. All right. Anyway, let's get back to the book. <laughs> we haven't let's even get started on the, on the book. We hadn't even started on the book. We just talked about storms and phones and. By the way, Dorian, we're okay. But anyway, go ahead. Where I am. Where I am in South Carolina, we're okay. So, Which ahead. is great to hear. Yeah. Uh, okay, so most people will know the story of Fitzwilliam Darcy and Elizabeth Bennett. It's one of my all-time favorites. I studied it for GCSE, for A-level and for my degree. So I feel quite lucky because I've probably still got my degree notes in another copy of this book somewhere. But we're not going to be discussing it academically. We are discussing it for the story, the 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 story of, I suppose, in a way, Lydia and Wickham. Oh, I really don't like Wickham for Bingley and Jane, and for Darcy and Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. So the back of my copy basically summarizes nothing of the story at all, but it does give you probably the most famous quote that comes from this book which is the first line it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife and this actually brings us back to Whitney my love in some ways written at the same time as Whitney my love was based in 1815 to 1820 
And you think about the fortune that was settled upon Whitney by Clayton, mm-hmm. which was what, £100,000? Mm-hmm. That is the fortune that Bingley has that makes him well off. They in never totality. really go in totality. That's the amount of his estate. That's a lot. Yeah, which is, we worked it out, it was, what, seven and a half million or something in today's money? Mm-hmm. But that's the tot- total of his estate. So his the total of his estate values the price that Clayton Westmoreland puts upon Whitney's head when he purchase her, purchases her from, his father, from her father. Let's just let that sink in for a little bit. That's a lot of money. Um, and they never really go into Darcy's fortune in explicit detail, but they do go into his character because that's more what they're focusing on. They, they know that he's got a lot of money. We know that he's got very wealthy um, relatives in Lady Catherine de Bourgh, for example. And everybody has this vision of Pemberley whether it's from the BBC TV series, from the film, or from any of the films for that matter. But everybody has a vision of Pemberley, mm-hmm. a a grand mansion that has expansive grounds. In the BBC TV series, of course, it has a lake that we see Darcy walking out of, dripping wet, which is quite a nice image that my brain is now going to float to for a second. Um but they have all of this in, they have the idea of his wealth and his position and his influence mm-hmm. and this book was originally called first impressions i knew that um i'm sorry i'm i'm not mean to this is completely unrelated are you hearing noise like a click like, click click no i'm hearing like music in the background which is the oddest thing. But anyway, okay, I'm going to assume it's just in my head. <laughs> Sorry, are you having, are you having Are you having an episode? <laughs> yes, I am. It's a I delayed reaction any... to a hurricane. All I can hear is there are some industrial tools going on around here somewhere. But if anybody does hear music, let us know and let us know what you think it is. Yeah. I can't hear it. Okay, all right. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. First Impressions, go. Yeah, it was originally called First Impressions, and you can see why. Because the foundation of every single relationship in this book starts with the initial impression, their initial interpretation of these people's characters. Mm-hmm. Jane is... I actually find Jane hugely insipid as a character. I don't know how you feel about her. Mm-hmm. I think she's quite weedy weak i find her irritating and i know i shouldn't not as much as lydia but i do find her quite annoying because she is so feeble and there's a certain line in the book after um after elizabeth returns from staying with her uh, traveling with her aunt and uncle and she has been staying with uh, hunsford with her best friend, uh, best friend Charlotte, who's just married Mr. Collins, and her mother says, "Oh, I can see Jane dying of heartbreak, and then Mr. Bingley will feel sorry, will feel guilty for rejecting her." 
And that's the kind of character I see Jane as all the way through the book. Mm-hmm. Quite weak, quite naive. And she's the oldest sister too. So she's nearly 23. Mm-hmm. And she's been, she's clearly her mother's favourite. Mm-hmm. Whereas even her mother admits that Jane, uh, that Elizabeth is by far her least favourite child, um, which I found quite... <laughs> which I found quite horrific. And I think it's more because her father likes her so much. But that's neither here nor there. I find Jane very... I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Dull as a character. Okay. Very weak weak constitution. Um, no, no get up and go mm-hmm. at all. The total opposite of her younger sibling. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Lydia, who I'd like to strangle. Okay, so let me just interject here for a moment with Jane. Yeah. Don't you think... Okay, so I, I want to try to steer away from the lit crit on this. <laughs> but, sorry. I, I was an English major. I got through it. I wasn't a particularly good English major, but I got through it. So, Jane, as an maybe not an archetype, but she's representative of this sort of weak-willed woman of the Regency. And so she's the stereotype. And so I think Austin very deliberately is playing up the stereotype with Jane. Oh, she's going to waste away from a broken heart and all that stuff. And so I kind of look at her through that lens as opposed to as a real, real heroine, if you will. And so, and, and obviously, Austin prefers Elizabeth, rightly so. And, and oh, yeah. Rightly so. So, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where it's kind of like, okay, this is what's going on here. And, and I just, do I like Jane? Not particularly, but it's not, definitely not a hill I'm going to die on or anything like that. I just, I, I don't find her particularly compelling. But then again, we're not supposed to find her particularly compelling because she's not the heroine of this piece. No, so, we're supposed to feel, I think we're supposed to feel pity for her though. Maybe. I think we're supposed to look at her and say, oh, well, Bingley done her wrong almost. Yeah. If, you, if you think about it, may, um, twist it into the modern day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. Move it, move it into the 21st century and all of a sudden you've got a girl who's on the verge of marriage, according to her mother, and then the boyfriend dumps her five minutes beforehand because his best friend's gone, oh, actually, I've got a better friend to introduce you to, which is kind of what happens, but not quite mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, I, I suppose in a way I look at it, I try and detach myself from the liquid side because I've done it so many times I've probably still got my essays and I Mm -hmm. know that I still got my notes Mm -hmm. but at the same time I'm trying to detach myself from that as well which is why the the insipid side of her rather than looking at her from because we know that this was written almost as a mockery of society Mm -hmm. that's what that was what they say Austin intended when she wrote this book it was to mock to mock the society of the time which in her case would have been modern society it was to mock it and say here are the stereotypes I'm now going to turn them on their heads Mm -hmm. because she's not going to want to marry this guy because he's super wealthy and everything else even though he basically comes to her and says I've tried not Um, to be honest if somebody said to you I tried not to but I love you would you say to them yeah I'll marry you you've got loads of money or would you say seriously bugger off 
Okay, well, I just heard it in a movie a couple years ago where, you know, the hero says, or excuse me, he's not really the hero yet. He says, (laughs) you're nothing but not to me. And he's trying to get the girl to love him. So I get it. It's, 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 it shows up again. Yeah, it shows up. I think it's one of those stereotypical moves that, that repeats and I think it was, in fact, I was watching a video, um, one of those video commentary things of a, I think it's a Serrano, a modern take on Serrano de Bergerac with a twisted where it's the women who are fooling the man. And the guy was summarizing it and it showed a scene where he said, oh, well, most people would say, oh, you're a bit chubby and you're not for them, but you're my ideal girl. And I'd, if somebody had said that to me, I'd punch them in the nose. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's because I am not bothered by anything other than criticism. If they don't, if they're thinking about that, then are they thinking, well, other people are going to judge me for this? Well, the thing is, it's that clueless hero that is self-absorbed but really has caught feelings and they just they think they're being they think they're being nice (laughs) see that's the thing that's the thing i actually felt a tiny bit of pity for darcy tiny bit at the beginning because you know that wickham is going to be the bad guy well let me say this Elizabeth, part of Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth is also prideful. Oh, she really is, and she's also prejudiced too. Yeah, so let's 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 be fair, right? I mean, yes, Pride and Prejudice is him, but it's also her, and this is the whole story of them sort of getting over themselves. And and so let me say this about Pride and Prejudice. As a story, I love the story because I like enemies to lovers. I love romance novels. I love, I love happily ever after and everyone gets their little tick box, right? And at least those who really deserve it. But anyway, Wickham doesn't really, isn't really going to be happy, but that's really not. Yeah, but then he also, (laughs) but then he also holds them hostage to get money from them in a way. Wickham. I mean, Wickham is the archetypal wolf in sheep's clothing right he's he's a really nasty piece of work in so many ways but because he's good looking and he's in the army he's wearing a uniform so so much of his character is hidden so there are so many things that the women wouldn't be aware of like his gambling debts and his past because that wouldn't have been passed through society for fear of shaming the girl who'd been involved in that situation namely in many cases georgiana darcy but that's Mm -hmm. neither here nor there well actually no that's not neither here nor there that's actually quite a big part of it you've got all of those things that no woman in decent society would be aware of so he continually gets away with them mm-hmm. yes and they're fooled by his uniform the fact that he's hanging around with relatively respectful people mm-hmm. respected people because he is in the armed forces mm-hmm. he has this background that no one ever questions mm-hmm because he's seemingly turned his life around, though they don't even mention that there was a life to turn around. Mm-hmm. And he's a gambler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I... Then he 
runs off with Lydia and refuses to marry her unless he gets money. Right. No, I mean, I understand. But but the people who... And, and in some ways, it's Lydia is being punished for being foolish and immature and stupid. So she gets what she deserves too, right? She gets Wickham. And so... My point is everyone's ticked where they get what they're supposed to get. They get the things that they're supposed to get. And so I really enjoy that part of the story. My thing with this is the prose. <laughs> I have a Whereas really, I love it. I have a really hard time. And this is where my comment about I was an English major, but I wasn't a great one. I got through it. This is where it comes in. I have a hard time with the prose. It's I love the story. It's fine. But the prose makes me a little crazy. So that's the sum total of my criticism of this, is that the prose makes me crazy. That's all I got. Which is why you're happier with the movie. Yes. <laughs> Whereas I love the prose. Um, but if you, if you told me we were doing Jane Eyre, I'd probably bang my head against a window until it was bloody. Because I loathe that book. I don't like the Brontes. I have to be completely honest. I am I am also an English major. But I was... I enjoyed it. I loved it. I love Shakespeare. I love Austen. Well, see, I, I can, can read Shakespeare. Which is, to me is interesting. Yeah. Like, I can read Shakespeare. Yeah. No problem. And, you know, and they're plays that are not supposed to be read. They're supposed to be watched. I can read Shakespeare. Yeah, but, same here. But... And the ability to read this is different than the to want to read this. And I think part of my problem is I had to read several of the early British novels. Oh, sweet baby Jesus! Hello, hello. I, I'm I, I'm English, therefore this is all we read. <laughs> this is pretty much going Tom to you go to university. Fielding, Clarissa. I mean, Samuel Richardson's Clarissa. You mean? Oh, that that's that's that is one of those epics. I remember they made a mini series in the UK of that. I think back ugh. in the I what I want to say late eighties, early nineties with Sean Bean, and it was on quite late at night because Samuel Richardson's Clarissa is quite dirty. I had to read that, and I yes, didn't I enjoy it at all. So anyway. Um, you know, I, I just I think it's just this type of prose does not particularly speak to me, and I. But then, yeah, and you I, can see why the story is one though that has translated absolutely so well into today's society because you look, you read this, and you think, well, actually, those characters, that situation. There are certain elements of the situation, like Kitty, uh, Lydia's name being ruined because she ran off with someone and they didn't get to Gretna Green. That wouldn't be so much of an issue these days. Mm -hmm. However, the whole um, the guy is told by his friends who are seriously a strong influence to him that you're not good enough for him. He will dump you because mm -hmm. they do. St people do still care about what other people think of them. Yes. We haven't quite developed that independent way of saying, well, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. Because though we may say it, and I say it quite a lot, we do still think, or I do still think, oh, are they laughing at me? Or, or, or um, oh my God, I've got a massive spot on my forehead right now. Are people staring at it? And you do still indirectly think what other people are thinking about you matters. And that is something I think that comes across 
very strongly in Pride and Prejudice mm. that it is all about outward appearance. It is what everyone thinks of you is what counts. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is what it is, I suppose. I just, yeah. I, so I, the story is great. I mean, I, I get it. I love it. I mean, obviously, Enemies to Lovers is kind of my jam. And so, you know, there's so much I really enjoy about this. It's just a matter of... It's just a matter of me, for me, getting past her prose. And that's not, like, her fault. She was a woman of her time. She broke, like, she wrote. She broke many, yeah. many rules. <laughs> yeah. But but she wrote how she wrote, as opposed yeah. to, I mean, I can't expect her to write in a manner that, you know, I would necessarily super relate to. That's all I'm saying. So I don't have I mean, anything, I don't have anything t- interesting to add. I don't. For its time, it was quite scandalous. Was it? A woman writing like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. When the Brontes wrote, which was at a similar time, mm-hmm. they actually had to publish under male names. Yeah. And so did and George Eliot, Mary Evans, I think. She wrote under the name George Eliot because a man would be so much easier to publish and to sell than a woman. And Percy Bishy Shelley can publish on an opium dream, and it's okay. All right, got it. No, he was a poet. Slightly different, I think. Poets were expected to be expected to have issues with drugs. I mean, look at um, Byron. I know. I, oh, and let's look at Byron. But anyway, um. <laughs> I, I love some of his poetry. To be fair, um, he's one of the only poets that from that particular era that I can read and not cry over Andrew Marvell being one of the ones that I want to scream about every time I hear that his sub his poems are a subject that we're going to study for a course I'm doing um but at the same time I have to admit that I love Pride and Prejudice it is one of my best loved I mean I've got four copies of the book and my oldest copy is nearly 30 years old Mm mm-hmm and it's a paperback, and it's not falling apart, which is incredible. Um, it's probably not falling apart because you have four copies of the book. So, you know, yeah. it, there's a rotation going on. But anyway. Yeah, there is. Um, this is the one that I tend to take to the beach with me. But I do reread it every year. I have that. It's a comfort book for me. Mm-hmm. There is something comforting about going back to a book that I don't Some feel any friends. pressure to read. Some exactly. And, and that's that's what we're about really mm-hmm. we are about the get pick up your old friends and reread them like mm-hmm. we were with um there's been a couple of books that we've both read that we love mm-hmm. and pick up books and find new friends as well mm-hmm. exactly exactly well a couple of things obviously there is no heat rating for this book well no um, <laughs> hand holding hand holding does that count no Um, you can safely hand this book to your 10-year-old. She may not be able to read it because of the prose, but you don't have to worry about, you know, her learning anything that she doesn't need to learn in terms of, you know... Language. (laughs) Language or interpersonal relationships, physically speaking. So, anyway, um, so there's no heat rating. We know that Ray loves it. I love the story, uh, but Ray loves the story and the prose. And... I have an unrelated challenge for us. Are you ready? Go for it. I think I might cry. But anyway, 
I've been doing that a lot anyhow. No, 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 go for it. (laughs) No, here's my challenge. I think every two weeks we need to report back. Ray and I both have aspirations of publishing our own books. Ray and I both have been letting other things get in the way of us writing. So, so (laughs) we need to force ourselves to make time for this. And so I challenge you, Ray, in two weeks to have a chapter written for your novel. Okay. There's I will your do challenge. my best. Just a <laughs> chapter. It can be a random chapter in the middle or it can be your prologue. I don't care. But I challenge you to have your first chapter or a chapter written, whatever that looks like. Okay, key panic now. Um. <laughs> whatever that looks like. It might be two pages and it might be ten. I don't know. Whatever it looks like. And this has to be an original, right? I think we need to do originals. Because normally, this just to clarify, uh, Sally and actually Sally and I actually met because of fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Sally was working on her first fan fiction, and I was working on my what felt like about ten thousandth, but actually both in the same fandom, which was Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And we met on a forum where we were discussing someone else's initially. Mm-hmm. And that's how come we're still, that's how come I was going to say we're still friends. That's yeah. how come we became friends. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded awful. <laughs> Just leave that alone. But that, yeah. And so we, she and I have, you know, done sprints together and where we've written and, and, I've gotten some of my best writing done, but I'm just saying. We even decided to do Nano a couple of years ago, and then life decided to get in the way. Right. Yeah, there is that. But all I'm saying is that we need to have, and so maybe if we have a bunch of strangers listening to us, maybe they'll help give us accountability too. So I'm challenging you to have a chapter written of your book. And you too. Are you challenging me to do that? Well, yeah, if you're challenging me, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to sit back and go, oh, that's okay, I'll just do it, and then you can have a relaxing two weeks. <laughs> I've just taken it up for anyone who um, wonders, when I mentioned swimming earlier, I've taken up going to the gym to get fit because I have various health issues to do with weight, and I go swimming every morning before work which means I'm waking up at stupid o'clock in the morning, i.e. five o'clock, um, to head to the gym mm-hmm. to go swimming and get dressed before I head off for the office at eight o'clock in the morning. And yesterday I'm, I reached my personal best, which is just over one and a quarter kilometers before Yay. I went and relaxed, before I went and relaxed in the jacuzzi in the steam room for an hour. <laughs> well, you'll be able to do those things on the weekend. So there's that. Exactly. <laughs> So that's my, well, that and work are my two blocks. But previously it was so many things have happened to both of us in the last couple of years that we've had the every good intention of writing and it's just not happened. It's been frustrating. So I'm saying we need to, to make the time. Yeah, I agree. So, you know. And we can now 
and we can now mention what we're going to be doing in the next two episodes. Okay, and in the next episode, we are going to be reading a book by uh, Jane Ann Krentz writing as Amanda Castle, and it is called Sire, right? She's is it Amanda it? Castle or Jane Castle? Jane Castle. Sorry, I said Amanda. <laughs> you did? She has so many pseudonyms. Okay, so she's writing as Jane Castle, spelled J-A-Y-N-E, Jane Castle, and... The book is Siren's Call, and it was available through my library and Ray's library, which is very odd. I, I don't know how it that was happened. Even, it was even a copy, actually, on the bookcase in my library. Shut which, the front door. I know. I, I, no joke. I looked it up. They had four copies of it in my county, which in itself is a surprise. Mm -hmm. And one of them was at my local library. Mm-hmm. That is I awesome. Got, I gulped in shock. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Siren's Call. Yes. Yeah. So, and that then... is two weeks. And then, in honor of International Podcast Day, because we are an international podcast, we will be releasing a podcast where we are each going to watch a movie based on Pride and Prejudice, and we're going to come back and discuss. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, completely. We figured that we'd do something a little bit different mm -hmm. that wasn't going to stress us with, oh, we've got to read another book in a week. Mm -hmm. Not that it's hard, but at the same time, sometimes fitting stuff in can be difficult. But also ties in perfectly with international podcast day as mm -hmm. sally said we are international she's in south carolina i'm in west sussex so we're both on the south coast just different ones <laughs> yeah 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 my coast is threatened by hurricanes ours is not generally speaking <laughs> yeah we've had i think we've had two hurricanes we had one in 1987 and we had one last year i think we normally just get rain <laughs> We flood, we flood a lot, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. All right. So that's us. Are we done for the day? It, I believe so. Have you got anything else to say apart from, uh, I don't know, apart from we where are going can, to be doing. You know, where can people find you on social media? Uh, we have people been, can find... we've neglected to say that, I think, recently. Yeah. Well, you can find me on All About Ray on Twitter. Um, very, very inactive. Well, I'm not actually very inactive. I'm just um, quieter on there than we are on ISN Romance. Um, and it's mostly stuff about my cat, my exercise, getting up for work and wondering where the weekend went. And occasionally I write about my writing on there too. But that's very occasional. And how about you? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me as Palmetto Blue on Twitter and on um, Instagram. And you know, if you if you look for me on those places, you'll see a lot of crochet. And I apologize, but I on Twitter I tend to tweet about Star Wars, and then I retweet some stuff from our uh, from our account. So I would love to hear from any of our listeners who have something to say. You're welcome to tell me I'm wrong on Jane Austen's prose that it's perfect. I'm sorry I pulled a pulled us up. up, 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 up measuring tape and it made an odd noise and so <laughs> i apologize about that and so anyway we've got uh, lots of interesting sound effects this week because apparently yes. there's music playing that only you can hear um 
that that was that was a good one i swear it it came back by the way it did what was it do you know what it was it was like it sounded like a video or something playing online somewhere a serious serious so maybe maybe it was just my hearing i don't know i was looking at my ipad like is is what tab is playing the music and there was no tab that was playing the music i was very confused so anyway so anyway okay so if you're not dying laughing um Thank you for tuning in to episode 24 of Romance Isn't Dead. Ray, how would you like to sign out? Keep on searching for your happily ever after. And I would remind you that Romance Isn't Dead. It's alive and well on your bookshelf. Bye. Bye.